Hey everybody, I'm Mike McDonald. My buddy Jesse Stratton loves some of the cheesiest movies ever made. He spent years telling me about them all, so now I'm finally watching these movies for the very first time. This is our podcast where we break those movies down together. This is the Celluloid Dumpster Fire. Hey everybody, welcome to our Christmas episode. We're wrapping up an entire, our entire first year with the 2005 Christmas horror comedy Santa's Sleigh. This, oh, is, yeah. a, this is a Canadian-American production. I couldn't find too much information about it as far as, as budget and box office and stuff like that. But it looks like they spent quite a bit of money on it, and they probably didn't see much of that back. Nah, yeah, I think it was like straight to video because that's when I saw it, like back in the day when, like, you know, you go to a video store to see the crappy movies. Right. I remember picking this off the shelf. I was like, oh, this looks like a complete turd. (laughs) (laughs) But it wasn't. It was all right. I mean, it's it's a lot of South Park humor, but. Right. It's it's very slapstick. It's got a 43% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and that's because it's such childish humor. It's not because of the production value. The production value is top notch, which yeah. is kind of weird for a movie that we discuss. Well, like I think the guy that wrote and directed was like, "This is his only movie ever," and then he like dropped off the planet. But it was produced by Brett Ratner, who I hate, but he kind of knows what he's doing. Yeah, this is our one year episode, man. Oh yeah, like a full year or just yeah. yeah th- this is the end of the first year. Yeah. Cool. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's good. And this, I love this movie. This is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. It, well, it's, it's like quick, you know? Yeah. And it's like, they stop nowhere. There's no dead space, no pissing time. It's just bam, bam, bam. Right. Joke. Bam, bam, bam. Joke. Yeah. Also has the coolest opening of any crappy movie I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> the, the dinner or the credit? The dinner. Yes. <laughs> Anytime Bill Goldberg crashes through the fireplace and kills the nanny, I'm good with that. Oh man, he killed like everybody. <laughs> and like, it's not like he was like lame kills. It's like every room kill or every kill in that room was very like I don't know different. Yeah, yeah, he got super creative. <laughs> oh. So, written and directed by David Steinman, known for Castaway, you know, that Tom Hanks thing where he makes friends with a volleyball. Yeah, I got that same volleyball, man. Yeah, What Lies Beneath and Inspector Gadget. So, he, he kind of knows what he's doing, too. He might have known what he was doing with this one, because some of it is so on the nose that it has to be deliberate. I, I thought he just did this. I thought it was just like one gun, but I didn't know he did all those other ones. Yeah, yeah. That's weird. I like the uh, the French title of this movie, because when it was released there, it was called Very Bad Santa. Nice. Okay. Yeah. And that kind of, uh, I, I guess I can see that. Yeah. Movie stars Bill Goldberg as Santa Claus. That's right. WWE superstar Goldberg is Santa Claus. And not hell just yeah. any Santa Claus, a Viking Santa Claus. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, he's also appeared in the Adam Sandler remake of The Longest Yard, Universal Soldier The Return, and has recurring roles on NCIS Los Angeles and the ABC sitcom The Goldbergs. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen that show. I love that show. 
I mean, how are you going to be named Goldberg and not ask for a role in a show called The Goldbergs? Also, he used to play football like a long time ago. I don't doubt that. I don't know too much about him. Quite yeah, honestly, how, uh, he blew his leg out or something, and like that's how he got into wrestling. Was okay. That. Yeah, got Douglas Smith as Nicholas Yulson. He's def basically a TV character actor. Recording has recurring roles on Big Love, Big Little Lies, The Alienist, and yeah, I Clarice. I do know that Big Love was awesome. Yeah. And he was Bill Paxton's son in that. So when I saw this, I was like, oh, that's the kid from Big Love. Right, right. Clarice, of course, a Silence of the Lambs sequel TV series that didn't really do well on network television. So it's only available on Paramount Plus now. <laughs> I didn't even know it was out yet. I was just like, <laughs> yeah, hey, I've heard. Emily DeRavine as Mary McKenzie. She had recurring roles in Beastmaster, Lost, and Once Upon a Time. So if you're a fan of ABC television, you've seen her. Yeah, which I'm not, but <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> Once Upon a Time was kind of a uh, alternate dimension, mixed reality thing where uh, the world that we know and the world of fairy tales kind of blended, and it was super, super dark. Yeah, uh, my uh, my ex-wife was really into that show, and I've seen some of it, but then, like, I don't know, like, I think the second or third season, they just started bringing in, like, uh, Disney characters. Right, right. And, oh, man, this is terrible. <laughs> yeah, and then I love this casting choice. This was absolutely perfect. Robert Culp as Grandpa. Oh, man, I love that guy. And you know why? Because he was on my favorite TV show of all time. Greatest American Hero. Believe it or not, I'm walking on air. I never thought I could feel so free. Flying away on a wing and a prayer. Who could it be? Believe it or not, it's just me. Yes, yes, he was. He's been a character actor since 19, from 1953 until his death in 2010, known for I Spy with Bill Cosby. Hell yeah. Uh, greatest American Hero, Columbo. And then, of course, in the 80s, he made the circuit of the primetime shows, including Love Boat, Hardcastle, and McCormick, Highway to Heaven, The Cosby Show, and Matlock. In the 90s, he was a voice actor in Gargoyles and the Secret Files of Spy Dogs. Gargoyles kicked ass. And then in the late 90s, early 2000s, he had a recurring role in Everybody Loves Raymond. Yeah. The only thing I don't like about this movie, he wasn't so much of an <laughs> asshole like he was in Greatest American Hero. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, he's, he's great at playing that jerk that everybody loves to hate. Yeah. I love it when he cusses people out. Yeah. And then we have a whole host of special guest appearances that we'll get into. Yeah. Um, it's a Christmas movie, right? Yeah. Predominant Jewish cast. Yes. Almost everybody in this movie, including the writer director, is Jewish on purpose. Producer, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's fucking funny as hell. And as we get into this, you'll find that we have every single TV and movie Jewish stereotype on display paraded yep. proudly body count for this film is at least 28 it's kind of easy to lose track i don't know i, I counted uh last week i did 41 41 okay there we go 
including one entire family dinner, one deli owner, one entire police force, one nativity statue, everybody at a strip club, and one flying bird deer. Oh, man, don't forget that he, he killed that dog. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love the dog's death. Oh, man. Just, yeah, he killed everybody. Killed everybody. We uh, open with Christmas dinner at the Mason House. The Mason House is a super dysfunctional, very wealthy family played by an entirely Jewish cast. The patriarch is James Kahn. His younger current wife is Fran Drescher from The Nanny. His son, played by Chris Catan, is getting frisky with his new stepmom, too. Yeah. That was kind of kind of gross. Yeah. But, you know, it's they're rich people. They're weird. Right. I just wrote it off to them being just like extremely like, you know, sleazy and, you know. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. Alicia Loren, as as Beth Mason offers the prayer for their Thanksgiving dinner. Meanwhile, their dad is just like I said, every Jewish stereotype. He's complaining that the bird is dry and she's complaining that the sex is no good. And you know, imagine any Woody Allen movie and you're right in the middle of it here with this dinner. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's some uh, really funny dialogue in this scene. And like, oh, man, why is the dog up on the table? Get the dog on the table. You know? The dog has his own little bed in there i mean and and not like like a mat on the floor like i went to petco and i got my dog a bed a four poster bed with its own special quilt and pillows i'm pretty sure that was like a chaise lounge it's like a miniature chaise lounge. <laughs> fancy it has buttons and stuff on it and you know the father of the family he rolls his eyes but he doesn't do anything to stop this you know and then we've got, as I said, Larisa, Alicia Loren as Beth Mason offering the prayer, giving thanks that they are not poor or Samoan. Yeah, I didn't get that. Yeah, I don't. I didn't either. And and even uh, even Chris Catan gives it gave a little what the fuck there to which Fran Drescher said, just don't worry about it. And also giving thanks for the new M class and praying that those who are less fortunate will work harder. <laughs> Then we hear a rumble in the chimney and Beth's little dog runs to investigate and Santa Claus busts through the chimney, kicks the dog. The dog flies across the table, hits the ceiling fan, gets shot back across the room and smashed into the chimney. First kill of the movie right there. Right there. He just punched a football kicks that dog. And wasting no time, he just sets to kill. And now one of the daughters just flips her her chair backward and impales herself on the post of the dog's bed right through the throat. That was pretty funny. Yeah. You know, if I broke into somebody's house to kill everybody, I'd be disappointed with that one. Nah, because it's like, I don't know. I mean, Uh, number one, it's less work for me. But number two, you took part of my fun. It's all right, because he immediately like does a tuck and roll on the table and then stabs James Conn's hands with like serving forks. Yes. Now, we just recently saw somebody get stabbed with a meat fork, so this is a good one. Yeah, it's not cranberry sauce. It's not cranberry sauce at all, no. But he just pins James Conn's, James Conn's hands to the table and makes him watch whatever everything else that's about to go down in this. Then he takes a big swig of vodka, 
and uses a lighter to make himself into a flamethrower and sets Fran Drescher's hair on fire. And then uh, just totally like mule kicks Chris Catan into like a nice... Like, <laughs> he hops up doing his kung fu, you know, he's a wah, 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 wah. And, and, then, and, and, and Santa just kicks him right in the chest. Yeah. As he flies. I mean, he like, boom. He got like an airtime in that, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm kind of surprised by that whole thing because it was a, a stunt very similar to that on Saturday Night Live where Chris Kattan actually broke his neck. <laughs> Seriously, he did in, in a Golden Girls bit. And I, I, I'd be real careful about it. I'm sure they were very careful about it, you know? Oh, yeah. They probably had like, I mean, because this is uh, one of those movies where they just get like a bunch of wrestlers and it's like one of those. Right. So, yeah, I mean, they're pretty. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Then he takes like, French wrestlers about that time. She's out of fire, right? Yeah. And he grabs her by the back of the neck and then like drowns her in the eggnog. That's all yes. Right. He he just grabs her and shoves her face first into the eggnog, which has the, one the immediate effect of putting the fire out. But he just holds her there, holds her there till she quits moving and drowns her in the eggnog. And then we get a, a look at James Con and he doesn't look real disappointed. He's just trying to escape. <laughs> oh man uh well the other daughter starts running away so he takes the star off the top of the christmas tree and uses that as a ninja throwing star gets her right between the shoulders she's out yeah and then we head over to dad and we're gonna finish this up now he just spent all this time complaining about the turkey so of course we have to kill him with the turkey Santa Claus rips a turkey leg off as he walks past, comes up to dad, shoves the turkey leg in his mouth, and then slams him face first into the table, shoving the turkey leg up into his brain and killing him. Merry That's Christmas, so everybody. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> and then we get title card. Yes, we get our opening Damn. credits, which is a book of the history of Santa Claus. And it looks like it's written in some ancient language. But if it's you even I half look at it, they've got the text in the book in red script. And then yeah. in front of that, they'll show the green credits. But if you look at that red script, you'll see the credits there also. Oh, yeah. That's pretty cool. It was cool. All of the names that appear in the credits are written in the book somewhere. I really like that. But we get very... It, we get a lot of images of a very angry Santa Claus, not the Santa Claus that we're used to seeing. So, so something, something is not right with our history of Santa Claus. And this is a lot of very angry Santa images that cover a thousand years from the year 1005 to present day in the movie 2005. Next, we see downtown Hell Township on Christmas Eve. An old lady, Mrs. Talbot, who I absolutely love, <laughs> is giving Nick grief at the Heaven Sent Deli, complaining. She wants to know what's on the sandwich. Now, she probably comes to this same deli every day and has for the last 15 years to order the same thing but she still wants somebody to tell her what's on it. Yeah, she's like smoking a cigarette inside and just blowing in his face and just being a really crabby old lady. Yeah, yeah, she is. 
Well, Mr. Green, he owns the deli and it is a Jewish deli. He's got a little flag of Israel up there on his counter and everything. Mr. Green comes out and he begins haggling over the price of a roast beef sandwich. Mrs. Talbot pays him entirely in quarters. She had all of the money for the full price, but talked him down to four fifty. Like I said, every Jewish stereotype you can think of is in this movie. It was like four fifty, but I'm pretty sure she threw down the money and then picked up fifty cents. Right, right. Sure she- she, he told her the price was four seventy five. Said with the senior discount, of course, with the senior discount, that's robbery. And he says, "Well, would four fifty make you any happier?" So she throws all the money down and then picks up one quarter. She had four seventy five. She just wanted to talk him down to four fifty. Yeah, this kind of went down. Yeah, she's a dick. <laughs> yeah, and she walks out the door. Mr. Green wishes her a Merry Christmas or a Happy Holidays, and he said, "Don't Holiday. pull that." political crap with me wish me a merry christmas so he says merry christmas and says thank you go fuck yourself <laughs> yeah i'll call that dick a whore on her way out too yes yes she does call mary mac mckenzie a whore on the way out the door well mr green closes up the shop and gives uh nick and and mac their christmas presents mac gets a snow globe uh, again because I saw how much you liked the snow globe I gave you last year. And Nick gets a world clock. You can see the clock, see the time in every country in the world, basically. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, they're good kids. They don't want to, they don't want to hurt the guy's feelings. So, hey, these are great. Thank you. He's a cool boss. He got gifts, you know. Exactly. Christmas Eve. Exactly. Well, Mac has given Nick a ride home and uh, she's sitting in her truck. While he loads his bike into the back of it, listening to 99 FM, lock it in and jerk your knob off. Yeah, that's the little clever bits of things is usually like on the TV or radio in this movie. Yeah. The the radio, the radio guy gets lots, gets a lot of jokes in here. And it's very, very sophomoric humor, just like this. You know, every radio station in the world did a lock it in and rip the knob off in the 80s and 90s. this one's lock it in and jerk your knob off. I love it. There's that one part. That old lady's like trying to light a cigarette or something on the road. Yeah. She's driving old lady style. So she's swerving from side to side on the road. Yeah. While she tries to light her cigarette and adjust the radio at the same time. And of course, she can barely see over the steering wheel. Oh, my God. Yeah. Santa is stuck behind her on the road in his flying sleigh. With sparks shooting off the runners, which is kind of awesome, actually. Also, he doesn't have like a reindeer. It's just this big, mean ass bison. Yes, he has his sleigh is pulled by a single white buffalo that is referred to as a hell deer. Santa Claus blows his horn for Mrs. Talbot to get out of his way because she's only driving about 10 miles an hour. Mrs. Talbot tells him to suck it. So he rams her car. Crashing it and killing her. He also yells out, move, bitch, get out the way. He does. Yes, he does. <laughs> Which, you know, if you're a hip-hop fan from that time, that 
that was a popular song at the time. I'm doing a hundred on the highway. So if you do the speed limit, get the fuck out of my way. I'm DUI, hardly ever caught sober. And you about to get ran the fuck over. Oh, the DJ also mentions Hell's Bells, the Hell Township Christmas celebration later that night. Nick doesn't like Christmas, and he explains to, to Mac that he doesn't like Christmas because he always got lame presents. He wanted an Optimus Prime, and instead he got a mini bake oven. Well, Mac drops him off at his home. Her name's Mary, but he always calls her Mac. It makes it kind of weird. Yeah. Especially if you're an Always Sunny fan, you think I'm talking about somebody else. Yeah, I love I love that show. <laughs> oh man, can you imagine if they got Danny DeVito to play the Santa Claus in this <laughs> No, they would get him to play Mr. Green. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I'd I'd vote for Santa Claus, but he pretty much played that guy in uh, you know, taxi. Right. Well, at his house, Nick's go Nick goes through the process of unlocking all of the locks on the front door with various hidden keys right on the front porch. What's the point of having all the locks if you're going to put all the keys to them right out there in the open? Inside the house, he's getting a snack for himself when the power goes out. And this was weird. The sound effects in this movie are bizarre. So as soon as the power goes out, you hear rats squeaking in the kitchen, which I thought was kind of weird. Well, Nick gets a flashlight and heads into the basement. And it's your typical creepy basement. It's dark and there's stuff stacked everywhere. Nick is about to flip the breaker to turn the power back on when his grandpa grabs his shoulder and scares him, of course, because you got to have a jump scare when the power goes out. It's the cheapest jump scare, the better. Yep. Of course, when Nick jumped, that scared grandpa and he dropped the box of light bulbs that he had. Um, <laughs> it, it turns out what had happened was a light had blown in his in grandpa's bunker. And in order to tell which one was blown, he had to turn the power off. I, I don't know. Oh, he, he doesn't remember if he turned the lights off before or after the thing went off. So he turned right. the power off, switched him out. Yeah. Well, apparently this bunker is where Grandpa does his inventing. And speaking of inventing, Nick finds a nutcracker that shoots chestnuts at high speed and lets him ricochet all across the basement. <laughs> Well, Grandpa decides to show Nick the bunker, which is this big vault that he has hidden behind a massive map on the wall. The bunker includes a bank of televisions showing the outside of the house. The town is pretty convinced that Grandpa's crazy, but Grandpa seems to think that Christmas Eve this year is a matter of life. And he he kind of thinks his Grandpa's crazy, too. It's not, it's not like just the town. I mean, he's, he's bought into it. It's like, oh, man, my Grandpa's crazy. Yeah. Well, in town, Santa Claus is ringing a bell and for one of those red kettles while sucking on a candy cane when a mugger tries to rob him. And that is exactly the wrong thing to try to do with this Santa Claus because he beats the mugger down. Then he stabs him in the eye with the sharpened end of the candy cane he was sucking on. Uh, you remember how we, when we were kids, we would suck those candy canes down to the sharpest point possible? Yeah, you pretty much make like a, a holiday shiv or something. <laughs> yeah, it turns out Santa Claus does the same thing. And this is why it says in case somebody tries to rob him, he can just shove it through their eye. Then he throws him over the top rope style into a dumpster. Hell yeah. And it closes and shit. Yes. 
Back home, Nick is trying to find out why Grandpa hates Christmas. They're heading upstairs out of the basement. This movie was released in 2004, one year after Shaun of the Dead. And I mentioned that because as they're walking up the stairs out of the basement, you hear they stop and Grandpa says, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and Nick says, what? And then he smells the fart. Oh, just just rip that joke straight out of Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, I think they even put like a cheap fart sound in there. Somewhere. They did put a cheap fart sound in there. He's, well, I said, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, Grandpa agrees to tell Nick the real story of Christmas. So he's got this giant safe that just cranks up out of the floor, which is kind of awesome. And he pulls this huge book out of the safe. Nick finds Grandpa's aviator wings in the safe, but Grandpa says he wasn't in the military, so I don't know what that's about. But this book is something else. This is the Book of Claws. And Grandpa starts reading in a language that he says is Norse, but Nick asks him to start over in English. The book explains that there have been two virgin births. God and Mary produced Jesus while Satan and Erica produced a child named Santa. And his day, his birthday, was a day of mysterious deaths and murders that came to be known as the Day of Slaying. Not the same kind of slave we're used to hearing about. No. Well, suddenly there's a knock at the door. It's Mac. She has returned to give Nick his Christmas present. She also brought a plate of fresh Wolverine. Which doesn't look very fresh, honestly. Yeah, man, it looks gross. It, it was just like flesh and hair. It was gross. Yeah, and when he lifts the foil up to take a look at it, you—they put in a, a, a sound effect of flies buzzing, which was pretty appropriate. It looked nasty. She's like, "I hope it doesn't get cold." Like, man, you didn't even cook it. <laughs> <laughs> like, just deboned it, put it on the plate. Yeah. Gross. Well, Nick opens up his present. It's a gun. Remember when he confessed that he always wanted Optimus Prime, but instead got an easy make, uh, easy bake oven? Well, Mac got him a gun, and he's a real jerk about it for some reason. Until <laughs> she points out that, look, this gun is a Transformer. See, it's a toy. Yeah, okay. when, when she folds it out, like it looks like, I don't know, like a cheap knockoff Transformer. Right, yeah. But when it's together, it looks like a straight-up Glock. I mean, it's it looks real. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it looks like somebody hand-painted a Transformer. Yeah. It looks like I hand-painted a Transformer. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, apparently Mac's family are a bunch of, of hunting enthusiasts and gun nuts. And, and Nick doesn't exactly approve of that. She puts up with his crap anyway. Yeah, she's got the hot one, but he's, like, too thick. Just stupid. Yeah, he's a little dense. Well, at the Hell Township Church, people are entering as Santa flies over. Inside, Pastor Timmons delivers his televangelist-style plea for donations. At one point, admonishing the people in the church for putting coins in the collection dish. It's like dollars. Yeah, he wants, he wants them to put folding money in there. And in a minute, we're going to find out why. As, also, it's uh, Thomas. What's that? It's Dave Thomas. It is Dave Thomas, yes. From Strange Brew. Well, in a minute, we're going to find out why he wants those dollars in the collection plate as he 
pulls up outside Gold Diggers, the local strip club. Oh, yeah. He, of course, bribes the doorman to let him know, yeah, you know, you don't have to tell people that I've been here. And then he he goes, hey, girls, nice tits. So, you know, we know what he's there for. He's not there to pray for those girls. (laughs) And as soon as he walks in, Santa pulls up in his sleigh and tosses a key to the valet. The doorman tries to stop him from entering, so he kills the doorman with the wreath that's on the door and then walks on in. Inside, Santa stops a passing barmaid and gives her a big fat kiss, which, of course, starts a brawl. Yeah, bouncers, they, they, you know, they got to go back on the clock, you know. Right. The bartender is slicing limes, and one of the bouncers goes over to toss Santa out. They fight for a little bit, and Santa slings him over to the bar where he falls and stabs himself with the knife that the bartender is holding. Santa is going to, he eventually kills all of the bouncers and the bartender. He's going to use the stripper pole as a weapon, but before he's going to touch that, he's got to spray that down and wash it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was pretty clever. He'll, he'll take the stripper pole and use it as a weapon, but not until we get the Windex after that stuff. Well, he uses this pole to, to fight one remaining bar patron, and he throws the pole to the guy. The guy catches it, and then Santa kicks the end of the pole, shooting it up into a light overhead and electrocuting the man who's holding it. The strippers are all hiding in the booths at the, at the club, and Santa takes a big lump of coal out of his pocket and blows on it to heat it up red hot, declares them all naughty, and rolls the lump of coal across the floor, setting the strip club on fire. It's it's all like real quick and action like like at the beginning of the movie too. It's like bam, bam, bam. Yeah, there's no slow spots in this movie at all. I mean it's like only what 75 minutes long or it's not even right. Like it's barely a motion picture. Yep. It's we get 78 minutes of nonstop action. Santa Claus walks out of the bar, which he just set on fire, and uh, (laughs) discovers that his hell deer has eaten the valet and just kind of belched up the valet's baseball cap. (laughs) Back at Grandpa's house, they're watching a Christmas Eve demolition derby on TV. That's my kind of Christmas right there. Also, uh, I think they say it like the announcer is like, whatever, Christmas... Whatever annual Christmas Revolution Derby brought to you by uh, AsianChicks.com or something. <laughs> I kind of lost my shit when he said that. <laughs> well, Grandpa says he's heading to bed. Max says that Grandpa's a little odd, which causes Nick to just really get super jerk face defense and start attacking Max's dad for being a gun nut. So she leaves. And tells him, yeah, when you're, you've got my number, when you're ready for a more mature relationship, call me. She really likes the guy, but he's just a dumbass. Yeah. But she really likes the guy. He's raised by his crazy grandfather. So that's true. You know, he's kind of, he's kind of, he's kind of crazy himself. Well, as she drives off, we can see Santa flying across the sky again. You can always see Santa in the sky because. Apparently, he's got a diesel sleigh, and it just belches out black smoke behind it as it goes across the sky. 
Yeah, some is it seems like they try to like hide that some of the shots, like it's a little Easter egg because it's yeah. just to see him like just out of the corner, like a frame. It's like, oh, there's there goes Santa, you know, he's about to kill somebody, right? Well, it turns out grandpa didn't go to bed at all, he's in his bunker working on that nutcracker again. Upstairs, Nick starts reading the book of claws, and we get a Christmas puppet stop motion show like the old Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer cartoon. I love that. They did like such a good job on that shit. They really did. They really did. It tells the story of an angel who took the form of a man and challenged Santa to a curling match in the year 1005. If Santa lost, he would have to use his birthday to spread cheer on Christmas Day for the next thousand years instead of killing people, which had been his tradition up to that point. And if Santa won, the old man would be delivered to Satan in hell and tormented for eternity. And all of that took place exactly 1,000 years ago. After tonight, the bet is over. Nick is trying to find out where Santa is using the gonad Santa tracker. <laughs> Wait, he <laughs> gets on his computer, right? And he yeah. types that, and it, it does this Yahoo bit where it's like... Except it goes to... It goes to hoo ya. <laughs> that's the parts that I like are like kind of clever. Is like these videos where they do satire bits. Yeah, yeah. The one liners and stuff they don't really work. It's most like really flat, and you're like, oh, it's that's pointless. You know, why would they? No one would talk like that. But like where they do the satire bit, yeah, kind of stop motion thing. That was like pretty good, like uh, lampooning of you know the right. misfit shit. Well, I mean, a lot of folks are familiar with the NORAD Santa tracker that the, that the U.S. military does every year. It started in 1955 when a Sears department store ran an ad with a telephone number for kids to call and leave a message for Santa Claus. But the newspaper that ran the ad, they misprinted the telephone number. And so the kids started calling the Continental Air Defense Command, or Conad. Colonel Henry Shoup answered that first call and decided to run with it as a PR stunt, telling his staff to anytime any kids call tonight, go ahead and make up a current location for Santa Claus and tell them that's where he is and we're keeping an eye out for him. That really happened. That really happened. Yeah. Oh man, that's like uh, some war game shit or something. The next year, the, the colonel wasn't going to do the thing, but then he found out that uh, UPI and Associated Press had contacted the military wanting to know if the colonel was going to do this thing again. And so it became an every year thing. That's awesome. Then I, I, mean, I just like this guy sitting there and he's waiting for any minute to press the button and like the red phone goes off and he's like waiting for security code clearance and they're like. Uh, can I can I get uh can I get a dog? I've been a real good boy. And then to just you know, I mean, this guy runs. He was the duty officer that night, so his job is to run this base at night. And and he knows what he's facing. He knows what's there. He knows what's gonna happen. What's not gonna happen. But he sees an opportunity here and is comfortable enough in his position to just run with it. And it turned out to be a really good thing, a really good press uh, item for the U.S. Air Force. That's cool. 
1958, the project was taken over by the newly formed North American Aerospace Defense Command, or NORAD, and they've been running it ever since. Uh, it's now staffed by volunteers instead of military personnel. That's cool, man. Yeah. Well, the Gonad Santa Tracker has, has a chat box, and Nick wants to know, is this thing real? Is this really where Santa Claus is? And, and the person manning the chat says, well, first off, how old are you? <laughs> <laughs> he says, I'm 16. He says, no, it's not real, and neither is Santa Claus. Sorry if your parents haven't told you that yet. Yeah, grow up, kid. <laughs> <laughs> so Nick just goes to sleep. The next morning, an old couple are visiting a nativity. Oh, man. And as they walk up to the nativity scene, Santa just drives his sleigh right through the middle of it and chops the head off of one of the wise men. And throws it at him. Throws it yeah. At him. Yeah. He doesn't do anything to them except horrify them. But he does a damn good job of horrifying them. I was, I was scared. <laughs> this we, next bit probably my favorite bit in the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, we get to see a potty mouth Christmas morning as a family wakes up. The boys want to open their motherfucking presents so they can see what kind of shit they got. They open up their boxes, which promptly explode, blowing the boys' heads off. And the which... grandmother, oh, fuck. <laughs> the effects here are so cheap. It's wonderful because yeah. they're obviously paper mache boys that got their heads blown off. And, and there's no attempt to, to add any realism to it either. And it's perfect. Yeah, there's no gore. It's just boom, boom, couple of uh, uh, explosive charges. And then two headless mannequins. <laughs> and like it cuts back to the grandfather and he's in the chair with like a weird face and like grandmother's like ah <laughs> at the church pastor timmons is grieving the death of the strippers at gold diggers apparently he escaped in the fray and asks everyone to remember in their prayers crystal candy sierra <laughs> rains dixie wrecked and tess tickler <laughs> more that witty like little and he's after each name he's kind of looking around does anybody look like they think i recognize these names yeah <laughs> he's actually sweating like a whore in church at that scene he, he is yeah well santa is knocking on the door of the heaven sent deli since it's christmas day the deli is closed but since mr green is jewish He's there doing some maintenance work while the store is closed. He tells Santa, look, we're closed. You go across the street to the Chinese buffet. They'll take care of you. This was awesome. Santa doesn't just kick in the door. He breaks the glass, reaches yes. in and switches the sign from closed to open. Then he kicks in the door. Hell yeah. <laughs> the way a civilized Santa Claus should. Well, Mr. Green's not having any of this. He, he's, he's just bring it, fucker. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he brings it. He does uh, Goldberg's signature move, the, uh, the, where he like launches at him, like the, yes. I call it, but like that used to be his finisher. Yeah. Mr. Green is, uh, he's got a basket of something like rocks and he's just throwing them at Santa. Santa opens up the, the drink cabinet and starts throwing canned drinks back at him. 
Then he just launches himself through the deli case, hitting Mr. Green in the midsection. Then he picks him up, grabs the menorah off the top of the deli case, and stabs Mr. Green through the neck with it, pinning him to the wall with his own menorah. Like Michael Myers style. It was great. Yeah. And then as he's leaving, he stops and sees a photo of Mr. Green and Nick and Grandpa. And as he's walking down the street, he bumps into a group of Jews who were presumably headed for the Jewish deli. Yeah, I thought they'd be going to the uh, Chinese restaurant. Yeah, I don't know. I have no that, idea. That old joke is like, uh, you know, like all the goys or whatever, like all at home enjoying Christmas. So like everybody that's not that doesn't celebrate Christmas, they always eat at Chinese restaurants. Right. I, I'm not trying to sound like racist or anything, but that's just just like a. Joke. I mean, that's, every Jewish joke is in this movie, so it was in uh, what's that movie? A Christmas Story or whatever? Christmas like, Story, yeah. At the food gets ruined, so they all go down to the Chinese restaurant, and yep. there's nothing but Hasidic Jews down there too. So right. like, they ripped that movie off. Well, Nick arrives at the gas station to buy some chewing gum. The gas station attendant turns out to be Tommy Lister Jr. I love that guy. <laughs> no, that's where man was back in the day. Yes. They're all out of gum because the delivery driver was killed at the strip club when somebody electrocuted him. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how that happened. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Nick ends up buying nicotine gum, and before he can get his change on the police scanner, he hears a report of vandalism at the heaven-sent deli. Nick arrives at the deli and discovers not only is Mr. Green pinned to the wall with his menorah, he's still alive, and he says there really is a Santa Claus, and then he dies. About that time, the police arrive to investigate, full of bad puns and cultural insensitivity. It seems something is not kosher at the Jewish deli. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is totally like that whole South Park era. So it's like you push the envelope as much as you can. Right. Uh, yeah, it's probably wouldn't fly now, but it's a crappy movie that you watch on TV. So who cares? <laughs> His partner is out on the sidewalk questioning the Jewish folks out there. The, the cop who's inside tells him, go ahead and round up those Amish people, referring to the Jewish men out, front, out on the sidewalk. Round up those Amish people for questioning, too. It's just terrible. At the police station, Nick calls Mac to come and get him. The captain at the police station, Captain Cock. Oh, man. <laughs> captain Cock. Questions Nick while dressed as Santa and carrying a nightstick. It's like he's trying to be intimidating while dressed as Santa Claus. Yeah, and it, it does he doesn't even really look like Santa Claus because he's like a tall, skinny guy. So the thing yeah. hangs on. It looks more like Mrs. Claus. He looks like Billy Bob Thornton in Bad Santa. Yeah, but like, <laughs> I don't know. The beard and the wig are set right on his head, so it kind of looks like Santa like like a British judge. Yeah. Or something. Also like, yeah, there's like just five or six minutes of like dick jokes. Right. Including Don, we now are gay apparel. Yeah. I was it. <laughs> you work for cock. You don't work for Bush. It's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, Nick tries to explain that Santa Claus is real and bad. He also tries to explain time zones and that Christmas at the North Pole should end around 7 p.m. local time. Captain Cock thinks that Nick is crazy and throws him out. As he walks out, the cops that came to investigate the, the murder at the deli are looking at a, a map of Hell Township and they're plotting out all of the crimes that have taken place. And it turns out that they make a shape kind of like a Christmas tree. And, and the cops are sitting there just eating donuts. And you remember that, that Cheech and Chong movie where they were doing a, a mountain of cocaine with Pee Wee Herman? Yeah, that was, uh, uh, what was that? It's still smoking. Yeah. And You're the, the guy the cop, drink, right? <laughs> the guy eating a powdered donut looks like he just walked out of that scene. He's got powdered sugar all over his face. Bruce and, Springsteen's and, it all up. <laughs> and, and just as serious as can be, discussing whether or not the map of these crimes looks like a Christmas tree or an irregular polygon. It's totally a regular polygon. I don't know. I saw. I I think I saw a Christmas tree there, Jesse. Yeah, but that wasn't until the other lanky cop puts that gold star. Or okay, it's like a bunch of little flags. And yeah. It's all, and he takes a yellow flag and he puts it at the top. Right. But before that, it's it's just yeah. Okay. All right. I I see what you're saying. They were trying to guess where the next kill was. Oh, they're they're both stupid cops. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot have a movie on our podcast without a pair of stupid cops yeah you can but it's better with a pair of stupid cops they haven't they have i haven't seen that one stupid on here before you know <laughs> remember laser blast i do remember laser blast yeah those were our original stupid cops yeah <laughs> well nick tells mac they've got to get to grandpa meanwhile santa has just arrived at the police station where he tases Captain Cox, little captain, and as it's uh, uh, he has to wipe down the stripper pole, but he'll just punch a cop in the dick with a taser. Yeah, it's awkward. Priorities, man. <laughs> <laughs> and as he walks out of the room, we see that he's killed the rest of the cops there, um, yeah. including uh, the 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 little fat cop that was saying that things looked like an irregular polygon. Well, he's pinned to the map with all of his flags now. Yeah. And the other guy's like, I don't know. That was funny. You're like, he's like, what, why didn't he get stopped? You know, it's like, well, because he, he took care of him like a, you know, yeah. like a split. He killed every one of the cops and that, that whole scene goes Tarantino style. <laughs> well, a cop pulls over Mac and Nick. And as he gets out of the car, they realize that's not Captain Cock. That's Santa Claus. Well, Mac hits the gas, but Santa Claus is able to chase him on foot, catching up to the truck and climbing in the back. Mac has to talk Nick through how to use a shotgun that's stored under the seat, including oh, explaining it to him like he's five. Also, that kid has his finger on the trigger the entire time. The whole time. The whole time, which I was yelling at him. Like, yeah, I was like, all right, for one, like, the first time. Happened like he's swinging around and they're in like a pickup truck, so it's really cramped. Yeah, shit. yeah. And so like he's like he didn't even know if it was loaded or not. And then you're like you find out it's not loaded, and then he swings it back around to put shells in it, which she has like a ashtray full of shells. Right, the way you would do if you had a truck. Yeah, and then 
Then he swings it back around while she's weaving backwards and forwards, trying to get Santa off the top of the thing. And it's like any second now you could blow your girlfriend's face off being a dumb. <laughs> well, she talks him through this and eventually Nick shoots Santa and they leave him in the middle of the street. But he's got a special whistle that brings his flying sleigh with his hell deer. And he's able to follow him that way. In the bunker, Grandpa is watching to see if Santa followed Nick and Mac. They've arrived at the house and made it into the bunker with Grandpa. As they're looking at the, at the video monitors, they see some carolers show up to the door. And Mac has to run out and chase them off. She couldn't just let them stay there and not come to the door. She had to go to the door and open it and tell them to go away. And of course, as soon as she opens the door, Santa shows up and starts killing the caroler. I want to stop. Yep. That that part where he shoots him out of the back of the truck was so awesome because that like Bill Goldberg really like jumped off the back of that truck. And, like, yes, rolled. he did. Yeah. And also, it seems like that's just like maybe like couple feet down the street from where grandpa lives oh yeah like, yeah this they're they like did this whole thing in three square blocks yeah i mean it's a small town right and uh but yeah it's like you know i don't blame that chick because i hate carolers too man so like I, <laughs> it's kind of fighting going out there and yelling at them yeah i mean that that's like a christmas tradition you gotta throw cold water on the carolers or something it's but not he complete is. until you've yelled at some carolers. As soon as she yells at him, it's like, he's going to kill you. He just grabs somebody's shoulder and just starts killing ca- carol- carolers. Yeah, she told him. She told him. At least he waited for her to tell him. Yeah, like a split second. <laughs> <laughs> well, they make it back into the bunker as Santa enters the house. And one of these carolers dies again in typical Goldberg fashion as he lifts her up over his head. And drops her throat across the porch railing (laughs) because there wasn't a top rope there for him to drop her across. Nick and Mac make it back into the bunker and Grandpa's got a plan. All he needs is that can of (laughs) Tenactin because he's going to kill. He's going to fight Santa Claus with some tough acting Tenactin. Hey, you get a tough case athlete, the itching, the cracking, the burning. You want a medicine that acts tough. Boom! Tough acting, Tenactin. Works every time. Well, the can of Tenactin is actually a secret safe, and inside it are some keys. Santa's trying to break into the bunker as the gang all escape through a secret water heater that is a secret passageway into the garage, and the keys were actually keys to Grandpa's snowmobiles. Why they've got keys, I don't know. They've got pull cord starts. Which we'll find out here in a minute. Yeah. Grandpa says they need to use these snowmobiles to get to Hell's Bells to warn the rest of the town that Santa Claus is coming to kill him. Well, Santa Claus is in the bunker and he's looking through the Book of Claus, kind of reminiscing, like looking at his pictures when he was a baby. But then he sees Grandpa on one of the monitors. So he heads outside and Santa Claus and Grandpa face off in the alley as Mac tries futilely to get her snowmobile to start, and it just will not start. With a pull cord. With a pull cord, yeah. (laughs) 
Santa explains that he's done making children happy. He hates children. And now that the term of his bet has expired, he's going to use all the letters they wrote to him to track them all down and kill them. Not exactly what I would have expected from Santa Claus, but it's an interesting take. Nick watches as Santa's hell deer runs grandpa down from behind. And there's, of course, the grandpa got run over by a reindeer reference. Yeah. I could have done without that. Yeah, like I said, like some of these one-liners and shit. Like, yeah, I don't know. Bruce Willis knows how to do a one-liner. Arnold Schwarzenegger is the king of one-liners. Yeah, yeah. He'll go for a wrestler, all right? <laughs> but to be honest, if they hadn't included the grandpa got run over by a reindeer reference in there, I probably would have just said it myself out loud. Probably, yeah. They beat you to the punch on that one, huh? Yeah. Uh, I'm... I'm I'm just not the that only one that's that kind of jerk, I guess. Yeah. Well, a car chase ensues, but instead of cars, we have a a, a snowmobile and a sleigh pulled by Heldia. In the uh, air. In the air, yes. Nick and Mac are trying to escape through the woods on the snowmobile as Santa flies behind them, throwing Christmas present grenades at them. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like in Spider-Man. Green Goblin is throwing pumpkin bombs. Yeah. Like pumpkin, everything. It's like that with, with Christmas presents. Exactly. Yeah. It looks like Santa Claus might have hit him with a grenade, but Nick gets that snowmobile up on one runner and they manage to escape. Yeah. For like a cheap movie, they did like a nice little kind of like James Bondish. Like right. Scene. Yeah. So Santa decides he's going to ram them with his sleigh, but as they get close, Mac just turns around and and punches the hell deer, which is enough to send him off course. Because, <laughs> I mean, this thing is big enough to ram a car, but not big enough to take a punch from a girl. I guess it's like a shark. Like, if you punch him in the nose, like, <laughs> um, you know? Yeah. Just long enough where you can, like, throw it off course. Well, next they run through a firing range. We know they're headed to a firing range because the clay targets start bouncing off the windshield of the snowmobile. This is where Mac's family hangs out. Next, we see the bell choir preparing in the middle of the street for Hell's Bells as Nick and Mac ride through shouting warnings that Santa is coming and he's going to kill them all. You need to run. They don't listen to him because that just sounds crazy. So Santa rides his sleigh right through the middle of the street, setting the Christmas tree on fire <laughs> and running down the pastor. Yeah. The pastor lands in the shotgun seat of Santa's sleigh and Santa punches him and knocks him out. Next, Nick and Mac arrive at the school. They try to break in through the window, but Nick is a little girly boy, so he can't break the window. Mac can break it. No problem. Now, the window won't open up far enough to let Mac through unless Nick grabs her boobs and he doesn't want to do that. So she kind of forces him to do it. They get inside. She makes some comment about, am I going to have to make every first move in this relationship? Which again, pursuing the, the stereotypical Jewish joke inside, they find the nutcracker in Nick's backpack with a note that says the only worthwhile gift is a practical one. Hang on to that one. We're going to come back to it. Not too long from now it's 58 minutes from midnight at the north pole santa arrives at the school with a present bomb nick decides to take the fight to santa 
Santa's inside the school now, and as they're going down the hallway, Nick's flashlight dies. That's okay, because Santa Claus is behind him, and he's got a giant green candy cane glow stick that sounds like a crowbar when he throws it down on the floor. Yeah, I was going to say, like, yeah, the sound design is totally off movie, but for a cheap movie, it works. I think it's deliberately off. Because it it does. It's such a ridiculous thing that it's a joke all by itself. Well, Santa chases him through the school. He reveals that he can shoot fireballs from his mouth, even if he can't hit anything when he does it. Still pretty cool, though. It's very cool. Nick and Mac decide to hide out in the library, but not hiding very well because Santa can see him in a mirror when he walks in. So he uses a smoke grenade Christmas ornament to flush him out. As they run away, they're trying to get the door open for the library, and Santa is reading a Christmas carol. As they're running for the door, Santa turns and just flings this book at Nick's head, painting him right between the eyes. He literally throws the book at him. He did. (laughs) It was very effective, too. Yeah. Nick and Mac run through a door that ends up dumping them in the middle of a hockey rink. Nick takes a minute to mourn the death of his grandfather, but he's interrupted by possibly the best part of the movie for me, Santa Claus on a Zamboni. (laughs) It is not Christmas until you've got a psychopathic Santa Claus on a Zamboni. Yeah, about to run you down, too. Yeah. Well, Nick's flashlight, dead flashlight works now, and he shines it in Santa's eyes, causing Santa Claus to exclaim, I'm Santa Claus, not fucking Dracula. (laughs) (laughs) Santa attempts to run him down with the Zamboni, but he gets stopped short when a glowing curling stone gets wedged under the Zamboni. It's Grandpa, and he's glowing too. Turns out, he's actually an angel again. He was an angel. He made a deal to give up his angel powers because he loved Nick's grandma very much. And he made that bet with Santa Claus and and beat him at the curling contest. This is a Canadian movie, so we're going to have another curling contest. Oh, yeah. I love curling. It's the only reason why I watched the Olympics. Right. Those wings that Nick found before. They're not military flight wings. They're Santa's angel wings. Santa explains that he moved to hell because when they, he lost their bet a thousand years before, Santa said he would go to hell and back to find him, which caused Mac to ask Nick, is your grandpa always so literal? <laughs> well, Santa reveals that he found him using a letter that he got, a letter that happened to be sent by Nick, who asked Santa Claus... Not for a transformer. Didn't ask for a Castle Gray Skull. No, he wanted Santa Claus to bring him a mini bake oven. I knew it. I, knew it. <laughs> I don't know. Those brownies are pretty cool. I ain't gonna lie. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Well, Grandpa suggests a repeat of their old bet, and Santa is good with that. If Grandpa wins, no more day of sleighs ever. Santa Claus would have to spend his birthday spreading cheer around the world for the rest of eternity. And if Santa wins, Grandpa is enslaved in hell for eternity. Nick tries to object, but Grandpa just repeats the message that was tied to the Nutcracker. The only worthwhile gift is a practical one. Which doesn't make any sense at all here. I don't know. Gifts 
practice. I don't know, like the Swiss Army knife or you know, new underwear, something. Yeah, those are pretty practical. That's true. That's true. I like that uh, that line in uh, an episode of Married with Children, where Peggy says that she got Al a four pack of underwear for Christmas, and there's still three of them that haven't been taken out of the pack. <laughs> remember that one episode of married with children where uh like the aliens come and they just want al socks so they can power their ufo <laughs> yeah that's yep. my favorite episode yeah i mean and well the, the married with the uh the sam kinnison christmas episode too oh yeah i forgot about that one that one was awesome well grandpa goes first and his stone stops right at the edge of the hell hole that Santa opened in the middle of the hockey rink. Santa's turn now, except he cheats and he grabs Grandpa and throws him into the hell hole. <laughs> That's when the clock strikes midnight at the North Pole and Nick says, look, it's over. It's done. But Santa has a technicality. Yeah. And educates nick about how time zones work and how they all converge at the north pole and so christmas is over when i say it's over <laughs> <laughs> and he breathes fire at nick but nick shoots him with the nutcracker and santa is down with a glowing red hot chestnut in his chest oh yeah the thing chestnut it goes through the fireball that Santa Claus shoots, catches it on fire, and then it's right in the heart. Right. Earlier, when Nick first found the nutcracker in the basement, Grandpa explained to him, uh, asked him, he says, did you know that if you don't pierce the shell of a chestnut before roasting it, that it'll explode? And, well, here, here we see it finally pay off. Yeah. Foreshadowing. Well, Nick and Mac run to the hellhole. Grandpa didn't fall all the way down. He kind of, he took his angel wings and stabbed him into the ice. And so he's hanging just inside the lip of the hellhole. And they managed to pull him out. Meanwhile, Santa has recovered and he's back on the Zamboni, but he's not driving towards Nick and Mac and Grandpa at all. No, he's just driving through the wall. I, I got to get out of here. Santa's on the run. Nick and Mac pull Grandpa up, and Grandpa tosses one of the curling stones through the hellhole, causing it to freeze over and close up. Outside, the pastor wakes up in Santa's sleigh, so Santa hits him over the head with a hammer, Three Stooges style, and knocks him back out. Inside, Nick wants an explanation. He doesn't get much of one. Instead, uh, Grandpa rallies them to help him go after Santa, but we find out that Grandpa can't leave the ice rink that's okay he'll just go back to heaven and watch over him from there at the firing range nick and mac get uh mac's brother and his friends to help them out including <laughs> a chain smoking native american with one of those voice box things they totally stole that bit from south park <laughs> yeah yeah that's jimbo's buddy ned totally <laughs> Nick gives him a chance to shoot a bird deer, and he's going to use his special bird deer call to call the bird deer. And when it comes, you start shooting at it. Well, he whistles the same way Santa whistled. And well, here comes Santa's hell deer pulling the sleigh. Santa's nowhere around, but the hell deer is there. Now they open fire on it, and everybody misses except one person. <laughs> 
Mac didn't know that her dad was there, but he was. And he's got his brand new Christmas present, a bazooka. And he just splatters that uh, hell deer all over the firing range. Yeah, that was a good shot, too. It's just raining chunks of meat. Hell yeah. Back at the school, an ambulance arrives. Pastor Timmons has been impaled on a flagpole. Everybody assumes that the pastor was the murderous Santa, and Nick isn't going to contradict anybody. He does gather up the Book of Claws as they arrived with a giant chop saw to cut the flagpole to get the pastor off of it. Nick has a mission now. He needs to stop Santa. He doesn't have much of a plan, but at least he's got Mac. He says, she says, yeah, that's true, but you hit like a girl, to which he answers that she kisses like a guy. How would you know? I don't, that was weird. But then Nick has never been a very clever person through this entire movie. No, he's done his boxer rock. <laughs> well, we get the victory kiss scene as the, pan, as the camera pans out. And then we see Santa dressed as a biker checking a bag before his flight to the North Pole. He checks his Santa sack and answers the, the questions, the security questions, and then takes a seat between two women waiting to board their flight and roll credit. Roll credit. Uh, you get like, uh, I don't know, because it's a short movie, it's like they do the credits, and I like how they do the credits, like a naughty or nice right beside the name. Yeah, yeah. Good guys are nice, and all the bad guys are not, or all the dead guys are naughty. Right. And then, like, after the main, the character credits comes up, you got, like, 15 minutes of outtake. Yeah. Yeah. It was a fun movie. I really enjoyed it. This was a great way to wrap up our year of, of dumpster fire movies. It is truly a dumpster fire. I confess <laughs> to that. <laughs> well, Jesse, I'm looking forward to seeing what we got next year. Hell yeah, man. Me too. That is a podcast. Hell yeah. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. We had a lot of fun making it. Be sure to subscribe and leave a rating wherever you hear us. You can follow CDF Pod on Facebook and Instagram or at CDF underscore pod on Twitter. You can also visit our website at CDFPod.com. And don't forget you can help us make donations to film schools all across the country by going to Patreon.com slash CDFPod. Join us next time as we explore another movie so awesome it probably shouldn't have been made.